Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. I'm your host, Yaro Starak. Hi, this is Yaro Starak. Welcome to another Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Today I have a special guest with me. It's the, the CEO of A Weber, and his name is Tom Colzer. Wake, welcome, Tom. Thanks for having me, Eric. And we're doing a, a long-distance Skype interview. I'm in Australia, and Tom is in the USA. Where, where exactly are you uh, from, Tom? Um, I'm from Newtown, Pennsylvania, in the United States. We're about 40 miles north of Philadelphia. Okay, I think I've driven through Pennsylvania once on the way to New York. On the East Coast, about an hour and a half outside of New York. Okay. All right, I've got that in my head. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure most people know <laughs> where that is. <laughs> um, we'll get straight into it. I, I'm really curious. You're obviously the CEO of AWeber. Now, for those uh, listeners who don't know what AWeber is, um, give us a quick introduction of what your, your subscription or your software does. Sure. Um, basically, what AWeber was born around follow-up auto response. Basically, what that means is uh, when someone visits a website and requests information, uh, we're able to manage sending a series of follow-up emails uh, to that person in a personalized fashion over a course of days and weeks after they made that initial request. It's kind of grown into doing email newsletters and, and many other things like that, but the basics is you know, it's, it's a, man- a way for managing an email list and staying in constant contact with all of your prospects and leads that are visiting your website. Okay, and I was uh, impressed to see that this is a seven-year-old business now, right? I'm sorry. This is a seven years old business now, so it's it's been around for quite a while. Yeah, we've, right? uh, we're actually fast approaching eight years in August of of, uh, of this year. So right. So when you first launched, which would have been around 1998, uh, email newsletters would have probably only they would have been in their heyday. There wouldn't have been much spam back then. Uh, was it like a, 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 a new idea to come up with an autoresponder back then and, and launch AWeber? Or were you involved with the company? Oh, back yes. Then, um, well, I'm actually the founder of the company. Uh, so I, okay. Yeah, I, I started AWeber uh, myself back in uh, August of 98. Um, and and the, whole, the whole kind of you know, idea was, was born around kind of automating a sales process. Uh, and I had been working with a small company, um, and we were selling wireless modems on the Internet um, for connecting to the Internet. This was before you could you know, just buy any cell phone pretty much off the shelf and, and hook it up to your laptop or something like that. The technology really didn't exist. It doesn't seem like that long ago, but the technology has progressed a long ways in, in the seven or eight years. Um, so I had I had been working with this company, and we were selling quite a few of these modems and whatnot, but I was... Uh, uh, working with the sales organization and, you know, these websites and, and our, our distributors and whatnot were getting quite a few new leads and, and people were visiting the site and requesting more information. And then these sales uh, guys were supposed to be following up with these leads that were coming to the site, and they weren't. Um, so I kind of came up with the idea. It's like, well, if they're not going to do it anyway, I might as well just write a little program that will send a series of basically follow-up emails uh, that you know, kind of educated the person a little bit more about the product. It was a, I think it was a four or five hundred dollar sale um, for for the modem plus 
a monthly subscription fee for the actual service. So it wasn't something that it's like, you know, you're not going to sell that the first time you go to the website. So it took a little, you know, it took a little bit of follow-up and persistence with, with that. Um, and so I, I automated that. And so when somebody filled out the form, they received a sequence of seven follow-up messages that, that we had written uh, to route to, to those prospects. And let's just say it worked very, very, very well. Uh, <laughs> so long story short, uh, we ended up selling quite a few modems. The company had a lot of problems trying to actually physically produce and ship out the modems that, that we were selling, so we weren't really getting paid. So I ended up leaving that company, and many of the, the distributors that, that I had been working with left that company as well and went on to other things. And over... How old um, at the time, well, I'm 28 now, so seven years ago, I was 21. 21 wow. You were yeah. a youngster. You were quite young. I'm, I'm so, how did, did you have, like, you, you wrote this script yourself? I, initially, yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah, initially, I wrote it myself. So at 21? Uh, ha- hacking away while going to college. Um, kind of, it was kind of a side right, thing that okay. I was doing in college. I'd always been interested in computers. Um, but believe it or not, was not a computer science major in college. It was engineering and switched to finance. Um, but anyway, the uh, we had, you know, all of these distributors were kind of coming back to me and going, hey, I'd really like to get that automated email follow-up thing that we had with this other company for the new company that I'm with. I'm like, well, it doesn't really exist. You know, and there was no other software out there on the market that really did what we were doing at that time. Um, so I was like, well, it doesn't exist, it doesn't exist. And I kind of told people that for two or three months. And so I kind of finally had this little brainstorm, and I'm like, hmm, it doesn't exist. A lot of people want it. Yeah, it's a product. It's not rocket science, but it was yeah. just like one of those moments that when you're trying to focus uh. on other things, and it wasn't really what I was you know, focusing on at the time, I'm like, hmm, this wouldn't be a bad thing to sell online. Um, and so I developed the, the actual service. It was really basic in, in its initial stages where it was literally you came in, you created a sequence of up to seven messages, and you paid a flat monthly fee for however many leads came in and requested that information, and we would automatically personalize the message and, and follow up with those people. Um, and needless to say, we got quite a few customers quite quickly, and uh, it's, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> Um, it's definitely grown and matured in, in the software over over the seven years. It definitely is. I, I have to admit, um, when I first logged in and saw the Aweber, because I'm an Aweber um, autoresponder user too, as most people will know, uh, I, f- I saw the design with the, the yellow and the blue, and one of the, the first websites I built actually was uncanny how close it looked to the general design of your interface. It had the tabs and the same color combination, which was which was actually nice in my point of view because it, it was very familiar. Well, don't, so don't go back on the web archive and, and look at the old one because uh, the original site oh, is uh, <laughs> quite interesting. I, I have it all archived on my own uh, machines here, and, and I get kind of nostalgic every now and then, and I'll go back page to the yep. site. on the disk. No, I've done the same with my website, so it is nice to go down memory lane, especially if you're the person who did the designs over the years. Yeah, so, so in, initially it was. Uh, it's definitely something that's grown, and, and uh, we now have 10 people on staff that are, that are doing various things uh, within the company, whether it's web development, customer service, et cetera. So. 
Well, let's talk about some numbers. Uh, how uh, Aweber is quite well known for, I think, the biggest um, feature or benefit that I've heard when I when I actually went around looking for an autoresponder myself was the reliability of of Aweber emails getting through because of the relationships you've established right. with ISPs, which um, I, I believe is something you've probably you know taken a lot of uh, extra care to yep. get that position. Um, because certainly in the past, I know I've heard like AOL is a good example of a, an ISP that's um, notorious for blocking email even if it's not spam and you have to negotiate relationships, right? So tell us a bit about how hard it is to do this sort of thing. Is this... Um, that's an important aspect of any other response. Yeah, getting getting email delivered is is one of the, the hardest things that, that we're you know, that, that our customers are basically paying us to do. There's there's so many different facets of, of making sure that a message gets delivered between the the relationships and, and the whitelisting that you do with ISPs and whitelisting is, is kind of funny because it's it's one of those things that everybody's like, Oh, are you whitelisted? And it's like, Well yes, that's what the ISP calls it. But it's not really what it is. It's whitelisting in what an ISP calls it is really just uh, making yourself known to them. It doesn't really guarantee that your messages are always going to get delivered, and that's the case for everybody. No, there's no like, right. you know, VIP list of, of <laughs> you know, uh, of that's going to get delivered. Uh, so you're not going to walk up to the front of the line and go, you know, my name's Tom. Let me in. Um, it's, it's making yourself known and, and building a reputation upon that known status so that as you have, you know, as a service and, and as, you know, we help our, all of our customers manage their list, we make sure that they're doing that in, in the most appropriate means that, that they can, you know, basically meaning that, you know, the only thing that's ever sent out is opt-in email using confirmed opt-in to confirm new subscribers, um, ensuring that undeliverables are properly processed, um, you know, watching our mail stream for any kind of problems, whether it is, you know, to, to say that you never get blocked is is ridiculous. It happens, happens all the time, and you have to be very aware of your mail stream and knowing where the mail is being sent uh, around the world. You know, there, there are certain ISPs that handle mail for many thousands of different domain names, and when you look at each individual domain, you may say, hmm, wow, okay, there's a problem with this one domain name, but if you actually look at that and you figure out where all of that mail for not only that domain, but many others are going to the same mail servers, you can kind of group that together and say, hmm, there's definitely an issue here, and, and you can go and approach that and, and resolve that in a very prompt status. So it's, it's it's something that it's, you know, it's never it's never one of those things where you can say, okay, we're, we're whitelisted everywhere, and, and we are, you know, we're done working. It's a constant, everyday kind of thing that you're doing Contacting ISPs, ISPs change their policies. Um, they change their rate limits. They change the you know the throttles and, and such that they're doing. They're changing the complaint ratios that, that they're willing to accept. You know because anymore uh, most ISPs uh, are have the the visit spam button. And unfortunately, most users have been trained to say, well, this is spam, meaning this is actually spam that I never requested. So I'm going to hit this button and. You know, hopefully that'll keep it from coming into my inbox. But as well as users also will request information from a website, receive that information from that site for a month or two, and then say, "Oh, I don't want this anymore. It must now be spam," and they click the "this is spam" button. It's unfortunate and it's highly annoying um, to a list owner, but it's it's through you know proper list management that you can ensure that that 
you know, those kind of complaints are properly processed and those people are removed from the list. And also you're, you're watching and auditing that so that you know that if you have a customer or if you have, you know, a particular list that, that's using your service that is getting, you know, something that would be out of the ordinary in, in percentage of complaints, and you can look at that and say, hmm, what's going on here? Are they doing something that, that may be trying to fly under the radar and, and, you know, they may not have the best list practices? You know, so it's 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 a never-ending battle in there. There's two things you have to look at. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, the only solution here is that people stop sending spam, which is not going to happen. Yeah, so, well, it's, um, it's, it's, not even, it's not even the, the, the stop sending spam. There's so many legitimate businesses out there um, that that are, are trying to build, you know, their opt-in list and are doing it in ways that aren't necessarily truthful with the visitors that are coming to their site. Somebody may be typing in a name and email on their site. What they're then getting in the back end is not what they were promised on the website. And while that business may say, oh, well, they typed in their name and email on the web form, in, in my book, that's not really opt-in. You opt-in for a certain type of information, and if you get something that's completely different than what you requested, you know, that, that very well doesn't have the kind of permission level that you need, and, of course, that's going to have a higher complaint ratio, and you're going to have to look at that sort of thing and, and figure out what's going on there and, and solve that problem, whether it's that customer needs to go away or it's something that you can manage with them and, and make sure that they change the way that they're, you know, they're running their list. Then, then you can kind of go forward. But a lot, of, a lot of what we do is try to educate our customers and make sure that they're not inadvertently spamming. It's, it's rare that you get anyone anymore that is, like, out, you know, outright trying to spam someone. Uh, you know, our, our systems are so closely watched, and there's so many security measures in place that they catch that sort of thing before they even get more than a couple of dozen messages out that it's just not worth a real spammer's time to try to, to you know, take advantage of a service like ours. Um, so it's usually the inadvertent, you know, business customer that, that is trying to do the real, you know, something right, and it's just missing a step or two here and there. Um, and if you can educate them, you know, you can prevent many a problems later on down the road. Um, so it's, there's a lot of education. And as much as, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, the Internet is, is old school and, and everybody knows what's going on, you know, every day we turn new people on. You know, every day there's new businesses setting up websites for the very first time. Every day there's people getting online for the very first time. You know, it's, it's kind of a never-ending process. And right, no, I count on that. It's important, I think, for the growth of the, any online business that there's so many new people coming on that, that need uh, education in this sort of area, especially as a teacher. But um, I want to go back a little bit to you running this business as a, I guess, a startup entrepreneur, an Internet entrepreneur. Um, do you have any sort of... Stories where you've had, you know, some specific difficulties along the way, like some maybe tips and advice for some other people who want to start their own, I don't know, software-based internet company. Because you were quite young when you did this, which is, uh, I think, impressive in itself. Sure, so thanks. Um, who difficulties in running the business? Yeah, well, just during, let's say, let's go back. Like the overview from today, or, or uh, you know, the whole seven years. <laughs> yeah, let's just go back a bit because. Obviously, today, you know, you're a bit more established and you've got staff and the systems are in place. But going back before all this was, was established and you were maybe sitting there by yourself at home doing all the installation, you, maybe you had a couple of partners or, or, you know, contract employees or something like that. And, you know, the day-to-day -day operations were probably not as structured as they are now and, and you had to go through, you know, growing pains. What, what was it like back then? 
Um, well, I, I ran AWeber almost entirely myself for the first year and a half of his existence. Um, I had some consultants and whatnot, but I did not have anyone on full-time, you know, payroll uh, with me. I had a number of consultants that worked with me quite extensively on the software end of things and, and the growth and whatnot of that. We started out on a you know, shared hosting account and, and grew it from there. Um, you know, it's definitely not anything like that. At this point, uh, it's it's grown and, and uh, you know turned into a very redundant, you know, very expensive setup. Um, but growing back then, um, the biggest thing, is if, if you're especially looking to start a software company, is you really need to have a good understanding of the, the tech behind what you're building. Whether you're, if you're building it yourself, that's one thing. Um, if you're building it and you're outsourcing that, you really, really need to outline exactly what your project needs to be able to do in its in its finished state. Um, and always remember that finished just means that you have version one done. And then you need to start version two and version three and kind of keep going from there because no software product is really ever done um, unless you're looking for a one-hit wonder and, and, you know, boom, and that's it. Um, you know, my, my development staff likes to, to joke with me, and every now and then they come along, you know, some of, of Tom's legacy code, they like to call it, and that's kind of original AWeber code that, that I wrote way back when. Uh, there's very little of it left anymore, <laughs> um, but every now and then they like to, 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 to break that one out and give me a hard time. <laughs> um, but it, it, having a really good idea of what you want your application to be able to do. Um, uh, another thing, it, it's... If you're developing software yourself, running a successful business also requires a lot of uh, people skills and being able to talk with people because not only are you the tech guy, you're also the sales guy and uh, you know the marketing person and, and everything else that goes along with the business, kind of bootstrapping a business from, from scratch. If I had it all over to do again, I would definitely probably start out the same way. I would just, the, my biggest thing is as soon as cash flow uh, allowed for it, I would have definitely hired people much sooner than I actually did, um, not only for you know, being able to build the business even bigger than it is today, but also um, just kind of you know, your own kind of personal well-being. Uh, as an entrepreneur, so much of who you are is your business, and it, after especially when, when you get something and it's, and it's a success, you know, the business kind of becomes you, and, it, and it's kind of like this evil monster that hangs over you that's like, Rawr, you know, you need to work, and you've got customers calling, and, and they're paying you, and, well, you need to be there at their beck and call 24 hours a day. Hire staff, you know, pay really uh, hire, hire really good people and pay them well, um, and, you know, thank them for the job they do and encourage them and give them pointers on things they need to do better and things they're doing very well. Um, and, and it'll kind of, you know, everything will kind of build upon itself. Um, but uh, hiring people was one of the, the biggest things that I regret not doing earlier than, than I did. Um, you know, it's one thing that, yeah, so that's, oh, sorry, go ahead. Just gonna say uh, that, that's a fairly common um, story. I know I even myself feel it's difficult to let other people step in and, and take over roles what you may have been doing yourself for a long time, and not want to tell them and you know everything and, and look over the shoulder constantly. So um, it's definitely a growth phase to go through. 
moving forward then, as, as your business grew, um, how did you continue to market it? Was it all word of mouth or you know, what proactive marketing? In the, we, we really, even to this day, we do very, very little outside advertising. Uh, the, the majority of, of our new customer base comes from referrals. Um, and, and we really like to spend what I would otherwise spend on advertising or marketing, I like to spend that on customer retention and making sure that we're, we're helping our customers the best way that we can. Um, and, you know, I'm sure you've seen that uh, a bit as, as a customer yourself. It's, it's really something that we try to, to go out of our way with, you know, the help materials. You know, we, we welcome all the customers. Um, and and it's, it's really something that we try to be proactive about our support and not make the customer come to us if, you know, if they have an issue using the software. Um, so you're very big on uh, customer evangelization. <laughs> I think that's a word. Where you're, Definitely. Um, basically, yeah, your customers can can be the sales force for you, provided you keep them, you know, really, really happy uh, beyond expectations. It, it, exactly. So, and that's obviously working. Exactly. So and it, and it really, you know, and, and my biggest kind of, you know, I look back on that and it's like, wow, should we have spent more on advertising or should we be spending more on advertising now? And based on our growth rates and the number of new customers that we get, our overall retention rate, it's really something that I think we're doing it right, and I think we're focusing on what we need to focus on. Because it's so much easier to keep a current customer than it is to try to get a new one. Uh, when you have so many of your current customers as like, you know, it's when they're just that thrilled about your service that they don't even care about having it. You know, our affiliate program is definitely a big part of of that, but we get so many new customers that. From current customers that are just like, I use Aweber. You want to use Aweber? There's no reason to use anyone else, you know, because they're that thrilled about the service and the, the quality that they've got. Um, so it's, you know, it, yeah, you could spend more on advertising, but I really think that if you just excel and over deliver in, in, in what customers expect, then it, it's only going to feed upon itself. Yeah. What about back uh, day one, you know, first 12 months sort of time? I guess you would have been one of the uh, the first movers in the marketplace, so you would have had that advantage. But there must have been something you had to do proactively to get your first few customers. Or um, much of our, I, I was actually uh, I was a, a moderator on a discussion forums online uh, at that time uh, before I before I even started Aweber. I was involved in the small business scene online. Um, I also published a, a, a small. Uh, newsletter um, that was kind of a discussion forum with that I, I kind of grouped together a group questions and it was kind of a, a weekly or bi-weekly um, thing that went out and uh, so I had a, a fairly good existing base of people that I was working with online that knew who I was you know knew what I was about knew the kind of success that I had with with this other business and, the, and that automated follow-up um, as well as I was already I, I had a bit I had a couple of good um, Kind of networking people that I had met um, who were well connected as well. Um, so when I was developing the service, I had a number of them testing and, and using the service on their own before it was available to the public. So they had already gotten in and they kind of got a taste of the results. So when it was something that I put live, they kind of were already evangelizing the, the, the service. Um, so it was something that, you know, as well as, like I said, I had all those distributors from that other company that were kind of pounding at my door, hey, I want that system, hey, I want that system, oh, it doesn't exist. Oh, hey, wait, guys, it exists now. 
um, and uh, it was something that, that, that launched and, and had quite a few customers pretty quickly. It was right, so you almost had traction. Yeah, it was, it was something that I was very lucky. You know, going back, I, I hit upon a, a great idea that had a you know a, a very good demand, um, and we just built it over time. So it's you know it's, it's really about having a good idea and, and being able to have some evangelists out there for you. They're going to kind of push it out there to the market. Uh, the, the blogging community and whatnot, it's amazing how fast you know news can travel about a new software app. Uh, a number of apps, uh, you know, blogs that, that I get their RSS feed, I get their newsletter, etc., um, that are just you know, basically updates about new new types of software products that are coming out online. Um, just because I like to see what other people are up to, and I like to see where you know where there's an idea that may be able to tie into what we're currently doing, or maybe how we're able to modify an idea to work for email versus you know a website. So there's so many different ways you can tie ideas together and come up with ideas for for new products and services. Um, so it's really you know finding that need, finding what people are asking. Look for the problem areas that, that people are you know look for the pain points of. of what people are having issues with, and then try to come up with something that's an easy solution for it. It's almost a right. Look for problems. Okay, so you're obviously a blog reader and an RSS user. I've I've heard. I know this is not really the case, but I've heard many people talk about RSS as a potential, maybe not a replacement for email newsletters, but it's certainly um, got some advantages over the issues with spam with email what's your opinion on you know the way the uh, let's call it the newsletter industry or the keeping in touch with your client base um, through electronic communications um, where do you think that's going in the future is this spam going to kill the email newsletter is it rss going to yeah, replace I, it? I don't think by any stretch rss is going to replace the email or email newsletters in, in any shape or form rss is really there's there's a number of companies that are trying to make it a more personalized uh, way of, of contact, but it's, it's really not designed or developed to do that sort of thing. Um, unfortunately, most users still don't know what the heck an RSS feed actually is, uh, whereas just about every Internet user knows what email is and has a basic concept of if I enter my email address in this box, I'm going to get a newsletter. You know, They're going to send me a newsletter that if they you know, send out every week or once a month or whatever. Um, so I don't, I don't by any stretch think that it's going to replace email now or any time in the in the future. Uh, that you know in the you know relative near future, five ten years, I, I really don't see it going anywhere. Um, I definitely think it is a it's a great avenue for reaching a different segment of the market. Um, you know myself as you know as a, a business owner who's you know, gets far too many emails every day personally. I love RSS because it gives me that ultimate control of what I want to get and what I don't want to get. Um, you know, and if somebody's, you know, if I don't want to get anything anymore, it's, it's delete and, I'm, you know, I'm off that feed. You know, email newsletters, as long as you're going for stuff that's, that's well-known and managed properly, you know, before I sign up for anything online, I'm always looking at the source of the page to see who's managing the newsletter service for them, uh, whether they're going themselves or if they're, they've outsourced it to somebody. Just so I know whether or not, okay, is, how hard is it going to be for me to get off this list? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so if it's something that it's it's that a vendor that I know, obviously I know most of the vendors in the state. It's like, well, if it's a vendor I know, eh, then more than likely I can get off the list pretty easily. 
so I'll probably sign up. If not, uh, maybe use another email address that I can just turn off one thing that I'll use just for that newsletter and, and turn off later if I don't want it anymore. But, you know, is it going to replace this? No, I don't, I don't Okay. So what about emails in general then uh, with this forever ongoing battle with, with spam and, and permission permission emailing where you can get email through to your customers? Is this ever going to be... Um, you know, enough of a problem that it might actually hinder the success of, of people even using autoresponders? No, I don't, I don't think so. I've really, from what we see on a daily basis uh, from our own incoming inboxes and all of our customers' autoresponders, um, as well as all of the, you know, the, the millions of subscribers that we're, we're managing for our customers, um, I, I really see the spam problem as kind of right around a peak right now. I think we're actually a little bit beyond the peak. I'm not saying it's going away. I'm not saying that it's going to go away anytime in the near future. I don't think it'll ever go away, but it's definitely being curbed. There's a lot of really smart people working at major ISPs that, that are, are managing and, and effectively, fairly effectively uh, blocking the, the, the nasty stuff that's out there and, and are coming up with very smart, intelligent ways of making sure that the requested messages actually get delivered to the user's inbox and not disappear or not, you know, go to the spam folder, which nobody looks at. Um, so it's, it's definitely something that is being worked on. Um, they're doing a very good job at it. Um, you know, by all, by all sources, they're doing a, a pretty darn good job at it. I'm not saying they'll frustrate the hell out of me every day. <laughs> <laughs> so in other words... A Weber's got a pretty uh, yeah. I, I really don't. You know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, do you get an email every day? How often do you check your email every day? No. Yeah, very often, too often. <laughs> probably too often. You know, is it? Yeah. Do you get a lot of spam? Yeah, probably. Do you have a pretty good control on it? Yeah, probably. There's a lot of really good software tools to be able to manage that these days. So you know, as, as somebody who's in it and probably gets far more spam than anybody else does, or than many people do online. Um, it, it's, it's definitely something that there are ways to, to manage that effectively. Many, most consumer-level ISPs are doing a pretty good job with it overall. Um, so it's, it's, I, don't, I don't really see it changing. There, there's a lot of, the ISPs are really, at this point, they're working more towards establishing reputations of senders and making sure that those, that they can kind of track the entire mail stream from a specific organization so that they know whether or not that organization is, you know, generating complaints and generating, you know, issues with, with their mail. And if they are, they're going to cut those people off. And if you're, if you have an established business and, you know, you're sending through a reputable source and they have a good reputation with them, meaning very few complaints and, and a number of other technical uh, measures, then they're going to put your mail in the inbox. And, and by and large, that's what ISPs are, are have been doing for about a year or so now um, and are getting even better at doing that. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely improving. Good, Tom. We've, we've hit the half-hour mark, so uh, I might wrap it up there. Is there any last comments you'd want to make about uh, we've got a bunch of budding entrepreneurs listening to these podcasts, so if you have any last comments or thoughts. Uh, budding entrepreneurs. Um, before yeah. They all want to be like you in charge of an internet business. So why not? The we biggest all do. thing is 
stop wanting and start doing because if it's you know you're you're taking action with your site and, and you've got one of the, the greatest sites out there as far as you know good content that people are you know flocking to as, as I'm sure you're seeing now. Uh, you know your your site has definitely grown quite a quite a bit in the, the months that I've seen it. Um, so it's it's something that you know you really have to be out there and, and start doing whatever it is you're thinking about doing. Just do it because if you don't do it. You're always going to look at that. Well, I would have, should have, could have, you know, and and it's not going to get done, and you're not going to start that business that you're trying to do, or you're not going to grow that business that you you know you started. You just got to put, you know, put your heart and soul into it and just do it. <laughs> not to rip off the company slogan. <laughs> and that's where the uh, podcast ended, guys. Sorry about the chopped up bit at the end there. Had a bit of problems with Skype in the long distance, but basically we just thanked each other and said goodbye so you didn't miss anything important. I hope you enjoyed that podcast with Tom Colzer, the CEO of AWeber, which is an email autoresponding system. I subscribe to it. I do recommend it. I find it very simple to use, and it really is forming the basis of most of my internet marketing and internet business, really, because it allows me to create lists which I will forever be using to... Uh, communicate with my customers and potential customers. So if you're not currently using uh, some sort of autoresponding system, you definitely should be. It's a, a fantastic way for you to build a list and communicate with your clients. I use them to plug it into my blog as well as uh, a few of my other internet businesses to collect contact details. And uh, AWeber is by far the, uh, well, the one I've been using now for uh, close to a year, and I'm very happy with it. Okay, as usual, if you're looking for more podcasts on internet business and online marketing, please take a look at entrepreneurs-journey.com or my other blog, which is smallbusinessbranding.com or, of course, you can search for me. My name is Yaro Starak, Y-A-R-O, and you should be able to find me. Thanks, everyone, and I'll catch you next time.